everyone, Michael Lugger here with another episode of Let's Innovate, a BC Science Fair Foundation podcast where we uncover the passion behind great ideas. And this season, we've been talking to people that support science fairs, kids, volunteers to get their perspective on their experience and find out where their passions lie. And today, I am super excited for a very fascinating conversation between two individuals that support kids in what they do. Uh, first is Leah Koss, who is the president and co-founder of Build a Biz Kids. And Peter Scott, who's an elementary school principal in Grand Forks, British Columbia, and has a district portfolio in innovation and technology. Leah and Peter, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Well, Leah, I want to um, talk to you first and uh, find out, you've been on the podcast before. Uh, if you have not heard Leah, go back to season one. Uh, I had a fascinating conversation. Uh, but for those that didn't uh, hear that, uh, tell us quickly about your business. You support kids in so many ways, and you certainly are passionate about educating humans. Uh, so tell us about build a Biz Kids and maybe about why you do this and what your motivation is. Absolutely. I can talk all day about it. So Build a Biz Kids is a registered charity here <laughs> in Canada. And what we're really focused on is ultimately building better humans. Now, what that means is, is in this world of AI, technology, robotics, all of this progress is happening in the world that it begs the question, what kind of skills do our youth need today? And for that matter, adults need today in order to maintain relevance and value in the economy, to be able to get the jobs that they want, which is a more difficult task than, you know, uh, it would sound because they say about 85% of jobs that'll be around in 2030 haven't even been invented yet. So with Build of His Kids, what we really focus on is cultivating the human skills. Those are also known as essential soft skills. And we're really about helping kids get as much hands-on real-world experience so that we can flex intentionally those 70-plus human skills to really better prepare them for the future of work. And the future is unknown, so ultimately we're kind of preparing them for the unknown. Yeah, wonderful. And then to segue to that, Peter, you know, you are inside the schools and um, Leah's focused on the future of these kids and you're right there, um, hands on day to day. This school just wrapped up. Thank you so much for taking time at the end of your day to talk with us. Um, tell us about um, how you support kids with these extracurricular uh, activities. You are also personally involved in science fairs and other maker spaces. Tell us about what's going on in Grand Forks. Thanks, Michael. So part of my job when I'm not the principal of an elementary school is uh, working with across the district with innovation technology, ADST, Applied Design Skills uh, Technology. So part of my portfolio is dealing with uh, maker spaces, uh, science fairs, providing the capacity uh, at each school site to um, allow teachers to create innovative and intentional ways of computational thinking for kids from K to 12. And so um, I've created a program using a variety of different technologies from coding to hands-on activities so that kids in kindergarten can learn about computational thinking um, at their level. And, you know, grade 12 students can do the same thing at their level. And then having uh, a system to connect it all together so that schools are, you know, competing against other schools in a variety of activities, similar to, you know, sports and stuff. 
Wonderful. Uh, great. Well, this is sort of setting us up for a conversation I'd like to have, which is the current state of educating kids in, you know, 2022. We're going into 2023. Leah, when we first had our conversation in season one, it seems so long ago now, but, you know, near the beginning-ish of the pandemic, and you've probably had some time to kind of evolve some of your thinking and observe some of the things that have been happening. What are some of the things that you're observing with and thinking about with how to support kids in their education, whether it being in school or extracurricular activities in this time coming out of the COVID pandemic? Oh, such a big question. Uh, because I think now that we're all coming out of it, I mean, obviously when you're in it, when you're in COVID and parents are going, wait a minute, I've got my kid at home now. I'm supposed to help them with their education. You've got teachers that are scrambling, trying to get online. You know, when we're in it, we're just kind of putting a Band-Aid on things just to keep the boat from sinking, right? And now that we've had some time to really reflect, um, one of the, I guess, perspectives with how we operate at Build Up As Kids is that COVID is just an example of chaos that can happen in a person's life, except we all went through the chaos together. But even before COVID, even now that COVID is done, individually, we're all experiencing things that could be just as impactful on us as COVID was. And so what we really looked at is COVID was a great opportunity for the world, the education system, employers, kids, parents, whatever your titles are in your world, to really look at how we operate on a day-to-day -day basis and say, okay, we need to band together and figure out new ways of communicating, new ways of learning. How do we build our resilience? How do we flex those other human skills that I love to talk about, like critical thinking and problem solving and you know, the, the other 70 some odd ones. How do we do this? And what's so great is we can practice this together because we're all in the same mess with COVID. So we, we had these, you know, we could mm -hmm. lean on each other. But I think it's important to note that even though COVID has kind of faded away at this point in terms of substantially impacting our lives, if you talk to everyone as individuals, you know, there's children whose parents are thinking of divorcing. There's a, a sick parent or a sick child in the family. Um, a parent has lost their job. Uh, the child, you know, is going through things that feel just as substantial as COVID. So I don't think, you know, COVID was a great way to kickstart us as a community to work together and develop resiliency and problem solving and really come together. But I think the important thing that I learned from this is we can't take our foot off that gas pedal. Nothing is done. Other COVID-like experiences will happen again in the future. And um, yeah, just basically that learning has never stopped is, is where we're at. And with Build Up As Kids, you know, we have kids as young as six and seven years old learning how to start a business, uh, learning how to invent things and create prototypes, deliver public speaking. These are all experiences that will flex those same things that we all had to flex during COVID. You know, when a child uh, goes to sell their product and a customer comes up and says, no, I don't want this. Why did you make this? This is a silly product, right? The child is going to flex those kind of resiliency skills that will hopefully help them with whatever future chaos, whether it be worldly or individual to their lives. Um, they'll be prepared for it. They'll be ready for it. 
So I think the main message for us is just COVID was a collective yeah. thing that happened to all of us, but we're not done. The, that chaos is still going to come about and that's okay. Uh, let's just keep learning and evolving from that. I think you you hit it right on the, the money. Um, and that's part of my job is, is building that computational thinking piece within students. We're realizing now that um, kids that have, you know, my, my strongest kids, my A plus kids uh, do the worst in my classes because they're used to, you know, how do I get from A to B? Tell me the rules. I jump through this, the steps and we go that route. The real world, like you said, it doesn't work that way. Uh, COVID showed us that it doesn't um, and reinforced that, um, that we need to be flexible and be able to pivot uh, as needed to make things happen. And so part of my job is creating that capacity within students and, and teachers, creating that open mindset versus the fixed mindset where kids don't know the right answers um, and they need to figure it out. They need to problem solve. They need to be resilient, um, like you mentioned, um, so that they are okay with failure. Failure is not a bad thing. And kids, you know, my low end kids are used to failing daily. And so when they jump into these activities that I provide, uh, they excel. Whereas, again, the straight A students uh, usually bomb um, or have a lot of challenges because um, they're used to, you know, what's the right answer? How do I do this? I'm not used to being given a problem that I know I'm going to fail, but I need to keep trying to figure it out so that we can create that capacity within kids that when they get later in life, um, when they go into a job, there is no, you know, follow this checklist. There is, you know, figure it out. And those kids that are innovative um, are the kids that are going to excel. And, uh, and we see that in university as well. You know, that the smart ones tend not to do as well sometimes as the ones that have been used to working at it for years and years and years. Yeah. And I just want to put a quote around smart ones, you know, the smart ones based on their academic scores, the ones that we label as smart based on the, the five or six criteria that we test on traditionally in an education system. But yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. The, the A students tend to be the ones that struggle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we're moving away from that. We're moving, you know, BC is, is, is innovative and compared to other provinces, in, in my opinion, where we're, we've moved to a more of a core competency based, um, where we're looking at, you know, your mastering competencies and how you master them is up to you versus here an A plus, here's a C plus, um, moving away from grades entirely at the elementary level within our district, trying to push that into the high school where we're trying to incorporate things like e-portfolios and, and stuff uh, where kids are showing, you know, lifelong learning and uh, reflective learning versus, hey, I got an A on a test. This is a fascinating conversation. I feel like I'm asking some really big, broad questions. Um, and I'm going to ask another really big, broad question again. And I'm going to ask each of you to try and answer it because we've been talking with lots of volunteers, people supporting kids in these extracurricular activities. In each of your work, what do the kids need right now? What kind of support um, can any people that are listening to this podcast, if you have kids in your life or if you're supporting kids um, in their education, what do kind of support do they need right now? Peter, we'll start with you. One of the big things that we need is volunteers, people that are open to learn and, and maybe stretch their learning. And we also need kids who are interested in promoting these things, um, going home and telling their parents, um, having schools promote um, and districts promote you know, different ways of learning, getting people in your corner to be able to promote it, whether it's at the school level, the classroom level, um, at home, so that uh, kids do have these opportunities that expand now uh, in the current world we live in uh, beyond you know, sports and, and such. Like There's a whole other gamut that we're now starting to explore. Yeah, and Leah, from your perspective, what are what are some of the things you're seeing that kids need support in? 
Yeah, I suppose if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're anyone who's interacting with youth these days, I would say there's two things that youth and myself would ask of you when um, being an influence in a child's life. And the first one is labeling them, uh, creating self-fulfilling prophecies. I hear a lot around, oh, this COVID generation or COVID kids and how they're going to have a lot of social issues because of, you know, the couple of years, depending on their age and how impactful that was on them. When you use that type of language, you're kind of putting them in a position of a self-fulfilling prophecy where, yeah, they are going to. But the second point that I would say is to ask yourself why you want them to have a certain outcome. So for example, if you are someone who's saying, well, you know, look me in the eyes or why aren't you um, socializing in a certain way? Are you asking that because that's how you want to be communicated with? Or is that what's actually really important in this modern day world? Um, I actually did a, a Canadian wide speaking tour to most universities, K to 12 education associations uh, during COVID. And the whole topic of my talk, my keynote was how to build trust and connection online through Zoom. Why? Because teachers and educators didn't know how to communicate through a digital medium so they can actually keep kids' attention. You know, all these kids sitting in their room uh, with every distraction at their disposal at seven years old, 10 years old, like that can be really daunting for a teacher to try and keep their attention. And uh, many teachers said, you know, I just, I can't teach this way. Well, you're right, you can't, but it's not because it's un doable. We very much proved through COVID at Build Biz Kids that this is actually something really fun to do. But if you don't know how, if you're not checking yourself and your own skills and saying, are my skills up to par? You know, am I putting pressure on kids to perform and act and know the things that I know because I know them and I feel like everybody should? Or is it actually relevant in today's day and age? Is the skills that you have actually the skills that are outdated? And the kids who grew up during COVID are actually going to learn how to communicate in different ways, have skills that you never got to learn because you were always at school during those years and forced to conform in whatever you know structured learning environment we had back in those days. So when you're conversing with kids, when you're even talking amongst yourselves with other parents and other teachers, try to stay away from labeling and making assumptions that this generation is going to be having a tougher time than previous generations and equate it to kind of how would you talk to a child these days with dyslexia? Would you be like, you're going to have a tough time? Well, no, you're not. Are you kidding me? Kids with dyslexia are going to have nothing holding them back. They got YouTube videos. They've got podcasts like this. They've got so many different ways to learn that doesn't even need to be about reading on paper. All those are, there's lots of things they can learn these days to help enhance that. But we would never tell a, a child who's dyslexic that you're going to have a hard time these days. Let's not do that to the COVID generation either and kind of stunt them before they've even gotten rolling. I, I like that, Leah, and, and that, that fixed mindset, I think, is, is really like a point that I would probably throw out to parents, too, um, is don't limit your child um, based on your limitations. You know, they're, they're already far advanced beyond uh, most of them anyways uh, when it comes to technology and, and, and try to empower them to say, hey, take that risk, take that chance and, and model it by uh, stretching your own learning, going um, with, uh, you know, if they're doing something um, that you don't understand, you know, sit beside them and learn it with them or, or come to, you know, some of my sessions and learn about, you know, e-portfolios or how do you, how do you set up a coding system or how, you know, how does science fair work? What are the benefits as opposed to saying, oh, no, no, no. 
know, that's too much work and let's, you don't want to do that. Let's, you know, we're too busy. <laughs> Michael, if I can mention uh, just a school here in Coquitlam called Inquiry Hub, and I have to give them big props. They're a public school. You do have to apply to get in, but it is a part of the public education system. And 70% of their curriculum is self-directed. The other 30% is just hitting on the requirements. And I walked in on an open house and you walk into this room and it's got a 3D printer over there. It's got big screen TVs with all kinds of wires coming out of them and a whole video recording situation over in the corner. And I'm just, my mind is just like, oh my gosh, there's so many things here. I don't even know what half of it is. And I walked up to one of the teachers standing there and I said, hey, like, do you know how to use all this stuff? And he just looked at me and was like, nope, it's up to the kids. If they want this kind of equipment, we'll get it for them. But it's up to them to learn how to use it. And I thought, what a great mindset. It's really shifting away from the teacher being the gatekeeper of information and instead they're being the facilitator of discovery to the kids in the classroom. And I thought that's exactly what the world is. Nobody knows everything. And Michael, you were even just saying before we even started recording this podcast about how you don't like being the smartest person in the room. And if the teachers have that mentality of being the ones who know it all, and if you don't know what I know, you're going to fail, you know, that's really limiting a, a person's potential, right? It's impossible to know everything that there is to know in the world. So I just really loved that perspective. And I think that's a great perspective for parents to have. Just because you don't understand a technology doesn't mean that it's evil or that it's bad or that it's not necessary. It means it's something that your child is interested in. And these days, <laughs> there's so many jobs that you've never even heard of before. Don't worry. If they're passionate about it, there's a way to make money doing it and to have a lot of fun along the way. We really need to uh, push that. And, and, and what you were talking about at the Innovation School, that's basically my whole portfolio. It's trying to innovate um, each of our classrooms at the, at the grade level that they're at um, in our school to really create that um, system where teachers are the facilitators. Um, you know, whether you're going to a science fair and you're learning about all kinds of new things or, or they're showing you a new coding program um, of how to overcome a challenge. What we do here is, is a lot about, uh, there is no right answer. It's just, here's a problem. What's well, your solution? And then you sit there and you listen, whether it's a kindergarten giving you their explanation or a grade 12. And, uh, and it's fascinating to see how much they know. And, and then seeing the look in the teacher's eyes when they realize, hey, maybe I need to change uh, my teaching methodology to better fit. Um, the students of today. Wonderful. This has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Leah, you are correct. I do not like to be the smartest person in the room. And this conversation has proven me right again. Uh, both of your perspectives have been wonderful, uh, engaging. Uh, Peter, thank you so much. Good luck uh, with the rest of the school year up there in Grand Forks. And Leah, Build a Biz Kids sounds amazing for anyone listening. If you don't know about them, check out buildabizkids.com. Did I get that website right? You bet. All right, folks. And if you like this podcast, please uh, share with your friends, pass around to any other educators, volunteers. If you know someone or you yourself would like to volunteer with us, I haven't even mentioned even much about science fairs, even in this podcast. But if you'd like to check out what we do, go to sciencefairs.ca and you can email us info at science fairs. All right, folks, until next time, let's innovate.